Hey, welcome to the Coaching You Podcast with the Coach Brendan Sir. And, you know, I am so, so excited today because I am getting to talk with one of my dearest friends, Conzo Martin. Conzo played for me. I drafted him in the CBA when I was coaching the Grand Rapids Hoops back in 1996 and uh, coached him for two years. Uh, he was an incredible player in, uh, for Purdue in the Big Ten Conference. And um, when I drafted him, I drafted him because I thought he was a shooter. And, and the stuff I wanted to run, I thought he'd be good at. That's putting it mildly. Uh, he became one of the very best players in the CBA. Uh, he got three NBA call-ups. He was an NBA player. There was very few players I've ever coached in, you know, 30 years in the NBA that could come off a baseline screen like Gonzo Martin and knock out shots. And he then went on to play in Italy, making big money, and all of a sudden what makes us all fragile in life is he developed a form of cancer. Uh, He came back home to the States. He got himself uh, treatment and, thank God, uh, was able to overcome that. when he called me one day and said, I want to become a coach, I didn't know if he had a voice to coach. But you know what? He went on to get a job at Purdue and working for his former coach, Gene Cady, alongside Matt Painter. And boy, oh boy, uh, what we're seeing now is one of the best coaches in America. So when you hear me talking to him and about you know our lessons today, uh, you, you have to understand it's a very, very close friend of mine, someone that is dear to me. But I want you to not know how much, how good a basketball coach he is. I want you to know how good a person he is. What you're going to hear is authentic Conzo Martin, a person who cares and loves people, and especially his players. Really sit back and enjoy. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of coaching you for the last two years to learn more about dr dish log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on twitter at dr dish b ball and i'm so excited today to have one of my favorite people in the world as our guest conzo martin the head coach of the university of missouri tigers so how are you my friend I'm good, Coach. How you doing? I'm doing great, man, but not as good as you. You know, uh, years ago, 1996 to be exact, I made a great draft choice in the CBA. And I, picked, <laughs> I, picked this, I picked this player of the year from the Big Ten Conference. And who would have ever known that now, not only were you a fabulous player and a terrific pro player, and one of the, one of the most unique guys I ever coached, but also that you would become 
an incredible, incredible coach. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you, Coach, for those kind words. It means a lot to me. It really does. Well, you know, you played for, you know, actually a, a tremendous Hall of Famer, Gene Cady at Purdue. Talk about the influence Gene had over you. Well, I think the one thing with Coach, he was an, an exceptional coach, understanding of the game. Uh, but I think his value when it came to me, I saw all the stuff he taught me on the basketball floor was the structure in which to handle my business on and off the court, uh, to develop a personality and just from a standpoint of being a good person, because I, I, was, I wasn't a quiet basketball player, but I was often quiet if I wasn't aware of my surroundings or familiar with them. And so to develop that personality, and as you saw, as my career went on in college, I was more vocal. I was animated on the floor in a good way and then just taught, you know, order in my life from the standpoint, not that I was, it was all chaos, but just how to go about your day-to-day business, organization, being on time, making your bed in the morning, not only brushing your teeth, but flossing your teeth. And all these things led to the value of what becomes a good person and, and the discipline and what you have to do every day. Again, he was an extraordinary coach, but I just think he taught me as well as my teammates so much about life and the skills and how to be successful in life. And, um, and I owe him a lot for that. All right, now I'm going to fast forward a little bit to right now, okay? And I had the pleasure of watching you coach for two days in October and of this year and uh, I, I I don't know if I've ever walked away and I, I see I see so many coaches at the pro and college level coach every every year uh, for a long time 44 years and I don't know if I've ever walked away after a couple of days and being more proud of a guy than I was of you and and the reason was because what I saw was someone that was that had mastered his craft but was so so involved in the teaching and the details and everything. And I'll be honest with you, when you're coaching a player, you never expect that to be the result. You know, and, and so what I saw was someone that had very gifted players on your team because you had Michael Porter Jr. was practicing at that time as well as his brother and, and all the other guys. But, you know, you you were amazing the way you controlled your team. How did you grow into that from when you first started? I remember you called me when you were just starting with Gene as an assistant at Purdue. Yeah. Okay. And now that great growth cycle, which is the same cycle you want to have as a player, you want players to get better, and now how you've grown as a coach. Well, I think it's a couple of things, Coach. I think one, just how my mom raised me, just being a good person, uh, regardless to whatever your outcome is or your your status and how you're living in that current situation. Try to be a good person. It doesn't matter whether the person is a custodian, a librarian, a professor, whatever it is, you treat people the same, all people, you treat them the same. And the other thing is, and she kind of talked about, uh, don't build your dreams on another person's gifts. Uh, and just, you know, I am who I am. I am what I am. You know, when I was growing up, I liked to have had you know, a lot of things that other kids had. You, you see things on TV, I liked to have had that, but you know, couldn't afford it, wasn't able to get it. And she, she always talked about your blessings. God gave you your blessings. Maximize this. Understand your purpose in life and utilize your gifts. So whatever that is, you know, I, of course, I patted myself out to my high school coach, Gene Katie. I watched a lot of great things you did. So you, you, you migrate to successful guys and you lean on them. But that's also becoming a student of the game. I, I was never prideful to the point where I didn't respect coaching. I always valued coaching because I wanted to be a good player. And I appreciated being a part of a team. And I just think, you know, just – Whatever my gifts are, maximize and give everything I have. Like I tell our players, I give you everything I have. I don't have nothing to hide. I'm transparent in everything I do. 
But in order for me to reach you, you have to let your guard down. Those are the same things I did for my high school coach, Gene Kane. I did for you. I let my guard down, allowed you guys to coach me. And that's not we don't we don't have that same luxury with all young people today, do we? Not at all. And and you know, to a lot of young guys' defense, uh, because and I'll, I'll take this a step further. Growing sure. up in East St. Louis, which is one hundred percent black African American, and then all of a sudden I go to Coach Katie, <laughs> who coach was a, was a wonderful man. I mean, mm-hmm. and, I, and I thought it was a, a beautiful man from the standpoint. But it was different for me going from East St. Louis to West Lafayette, Indiana, and I, and I never experienced anything from a negative standpoint. So that's not what I'm saying. But sure. I still had to learn somebody else's ways. And here's a guy that didn't raise me and and and. And at the time, when you're young, you think it's tough coaching. It's not tough coach. He's only teaching me. He's talking to me. But when you're young, you're not used to certain things. You think it's tough. But I had to allow him to do what he needed to do in order for me to be successful. And then once once you allow a coach to get to your heart and you know it's genuine, then the sky's the limit. But I think with young guys nowadays, Coach, there's so many surrounding factors. And they have so much access and information on their phones. And they can get what they want to get from that. Mm-hmm. Then if you're not saying exactly what they want to hear, then it's kind of well. 50 50 if i want to listen or not and their friends or parents are telling them only things they want to hear right yeah it, but most but of that's time. comfort but yes. in, 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 yeah. in most cases that's comfort but what happens but you you see men nowadays there's a level of comfort in telling me what i want to hear making me feel good but that's not the real world and all of a sudden a young man's leave leaves college and he, and he has to raise a family, provide for his family. The minute he had tough times, he's struggling in life because he doesn't know how to deal with those situations because he wasn't equipped with the necessary tools when he was 14 to 22, and he's struggling in life. <laughs> wow. You know, the big, tell me about uh, the biggest thing in coming back from, you know, a terrific job at Cal Berkeley, uh, leaving a great job at, at Tennessee, and then coming back to the University of Missouri. Not your alma mater, but you're in state school where you grew up. Give me your thought well, process. A lot of people say, oh, he's coming close to home, but that wasn't it. No, it wasn't it. I, I think that the biggest key, because it, it had to be right. Even when I just talk, my wife and I, we pray about everything, we make a decision. But but even just talking with my mom, she would have loved for me to come home just because I'm her son. But, but her biggest thing, you have to do what's best for you. I'm, I'll always be your mom. So you have to do what's best for you in making your decisions. So the decision wasn't necessarily about coming close to the home because it had to be right. It was more about a tremendous opportunity. I think I thought at the time it was a great university, which I, it is now, mm-hmm. uh, a wonderful community, great campus in a great state. Uh, but we've had some bumps in a row within our state and also on campus in the, you know, the past couple sure. years. But I think we're making tremendous strides right now. And I wanted to be a part of that. Of course, I I enjoy coaching, and you got a chance to do something special here. But I, but I felt like I wanted to be a part of more that, that to provide information and, and to be a vessel from the standpoint of how do we grow as a state and be a part of what we're trying to do as a country and moving forward because this is a great country and, and we have some things we have to do to get better. But I wanted to be a part of that probably more than just being a coach here in Mizzou. And and the key to our country being great is what happens with our young people, correct? Without a doubt, and I, I said all the time, Coach, we when we make if we make decisions, every whatever whatever level from the president on down into your local government, if we make decisions based on what's best for our youth and the elderly, I think we'll be very successful. Because what happens now? You're talking education and you're talking health, and I think we all need that, no matter what education, health, and provide food. Now, and one thing, when growing up in East St. Louis, we didn't have a lot of things, Coach. But from my grandmother on down to the ladies in the neighborhood, 
you were going over somebody's house to get something to eat. Now, you didn't have a lot of sneakers and a lot of clothes, but you will be provided food in some way, shape or form. And, and that's that should be a given. There's just too many times with, with young men and women in the summer times, they might get one meal a day. So so because they don't have access to food. And those are things that we can't overlook. But I think if we make decisions, coach, every day, we we making critical decisions, have the youth involved and the elderly. And I think we'll be OK. You know, you uh, when you were playing at Purdue and, you know, you played with a pretty good player, uh, Matt Painter. And it's odd, you know, I, I got to see that sorry guy, Coach, man. I'll tell you what. It is incredible how two two of the best coaches in America right now are you two guys. Who would have ever thunk that when you guys were taking – because I know he wouldn't pass. And he no, told me you wouldn't pass, and I, I, I agree with probably both of you. Now, who would have ever thought that you guys would be two of the best defensive coaches in the country, first of all, all right? Isn't you, know, that- you know, Coach, one thing about Matt is – when, when I went to Purdue, and Matt was a talented player. Matt was 6'6". Yeah. He, he played the small four when I got there, but he was really a point guard. Even though he's six, he's really a point. The one thing about Matt, um, a lot of people obviously helped me become a successful player at Purdue, but Matt was probably the, the most instrumental. And the reason why I say that because when I started starting, I ended up taking the small four position that Matt was starting in. Ooh. And Matt was probably my biggest cheerleader. And helping me understand how to deal with coach. This is what, like, when coach get on, this is what he's really saying. And and, I, and he was a junior. That was my freshman year. So Matt was probably my biggest cheerleader and biggest supporter in going through all that. And it, and it wasn't personal. I mean, just he was about winning, and and he was one of those guys at that time. And and, and to see him success, we we all kind of knew that when he was a player because we've been hollering coach say something. I said, coach, what about this? Well, coach said, oh, shut up, man. I mean, just, but, <laughs> but it was, it was infamous and it was real, but coach respected it. And he was saying, shut up in a joking way, but yeah, that's who he was back then. <laughs> now was Bruce Weber an assistant when you were playing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All four of my years, he wasn't a coach and he, and he did it. I mean, you're talking about a guy with a relentless work ethic, coach yeah. Weber for, I'm not kidding you. And he had three daughters. I mean, he would, Homework at night, uh, scouting report, recruiting, grocery shopping, cut the grass. I mean, this this guy, this guy had ten jobs. I mean, he, he, but but and he and he went about his business every day at a high level with a tremendous amount of respect about doing his job. Uh, Coach Katie's got to be so proud of what has happened with the three of you. I mean, it is just crazy. I mean, to, to have three Power Five coaches that are that are so good at what they do and all in their own unique ways based on who they are as people. You know, and I think that's the big thing. I, I think I think that that's the biggest key, Coach. You just, I, I think with all, I know those two guys, and for myself, you, you can't be afraid to learn. And I think, Coach, I, I pray every day. I continue to learn something new every day. Learn from our players. I always say, guys, what do you think? What do you feel? What do you see? Because I, I enjoy growing and learning and understanding, watching other people, and, and not spreading myself thin when you're doing so much stuff. But I just think it's it's just the growth. But I think you have to be willing to listen and learn. I think those two guys. Or the epitome of that, you know. Uh, how now? Talk to me about, you know, when you first get your first head coaching job, when you leave Purdue as an assistant. Is that when you went to Missouri State? Yes. All right. Talked about what what's going through your head. Uh, are you are you you know are you nervous about it? Are you confident about it? You know, the results turned out to be terrific, but. What's your feelings as a young guy going out there and get taking a job like that? 
Well, coach, it was uh, it was the it was the toughest thing for me to go through as as a coach, you know, because I, I really didn't want to leave Purdue. I, I was happy at Purdue. We, mm-hmm. we and that was a year with Robbie Homer, Etwan Moore, Jawan Johnson. Those guys were freshmen, wow. fifteen and three in the league. I mean, so and they've come out that freshman year, and I really didn't want to leave. I was happy. My wife had a great job downtown Indianapolis, and uh, and I was. It was tough, and it just got to a point. Matt was like, "Man, you, you have to take this job. It's a great opportunity." So, I was grateful for it, and it was a it was a great situation at Missouri, twenty one, eleven, and twenty something like that. And it was uh for me, coach. It was the toughest thing I ever experienced in sport, even after having you know fractured my knee and all these things. And the reason why I say it was the toughest thing because it was it was so hard to communicate because if if you're a coach and you're the leader. As a head coach, it's hard to talk to your assistant coach about your struggle and what you're going through because you just don't know. And, and they're leaning on you as a head coach. You don't want to take it home. To, uh, and I'm just talking about my, my situation. Sure. I don't want to take it home to my wife because I have a, I think my son, one was 10, five, my daughter was maybe one. So my wife, she just stopped working after 15 years. So now she's dealing with the kids and all this. So I don't want to bring that home, home to her. Yep. And then, um, you know, my, my peers, so to speak, other head coaches, I don't know a lot of other head coaches outside of my paint a couple of the guys where well, those guys are going through what they're going through. So it's like, man, where do I turn it? And, it? and it was a tough, tough place, coach, because I had felt like I had no direction to sit down and talk to somebody and say, man, I'm really struggling with this thing. How do I push forward? And I would talk to Coach Katie, but Coach Katie was – that's more like a father yep. and a teacher, and it, was, and it was all compassion. You know, I, of course, a tremendous amount of support. Instead of saying, hey, so you do this, 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 it was always supportive. And it, and it was all great. Sure. But, you know, sometimes, Coach, you need to get hit in the chest like, boom, okay, wake up now. This is what you got to do, man. You got to lock in on this, 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 this. And and I didn't know what I was looking for at the time because, again, you had no direction. You had never been through it. Um, and then what I just I, I said, okay, I have to clearly define goals and, and whatever success is, for me, this is what it has to look like. I can't say my success today has to be what this team over here, and they, they got everybody back and they winning 30 games. My success has to look like this. And then moving forward next year, it has to look like this. And now we have to grow from there. And then what we would do as my assistant coaches, my administrative people, let's get updates on what we're doing to see the level of impact that we're having with our players, our program, our administration, our fans. And that's how I grew from there. It, those are tough lessons, especially when you're not getting coached by someone. And that and that is um, and and I understand where you're at because, you know, the hardest, the loneliest. Chuck Daly once told me the loneliest thing in the world is to be in charge. And and you and most people don't get that. They don't understand that because who do you turn to? And and you know and that's the big, just exactly what you talked about. And, Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams 
and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. You have incredible success there as you go along. And now all of a sudden, you get an opportunity to replace Bruce Pearl at, at Tennessee. Uh, did, would, would that, did that come out of nowhere for you? I mean, did a search firm come for you? How did that work? It, it was a search firm, and uh, and it was it was Tennessee and two other situations. And um, wow. Tennessee worked out to be the best one for me. And, and it was a great learning experience for three years. I, I learned a tremendous amount. And just even going through adverse situations, somewhat hostile environments, uh, and it, and it really helped me understand the balance of what's important. Uh, and I just think really, yeah, you want to win a lot of games, you want to be successful, but, but what level of impact do you have with your student athletes to make sure these young men be successful? Because even my last year, a lot of stuff swirled around. Sure. Not that I got consumed with it, but just how do we continue to lead these young men and help them understand what it takes to be successful and don't cry over what's taking place currently how do you get better every day? Where's your level of impact? Where's your level of energy, your level of toughness as an individual player? We never talked about what was on the outside. And all of a sudden we had success and we have great relationships to this day with the, with our young guys or the men now, just on the things that we went through. And I, and I, think it was, I thought it was a valuable lesson in teaching, dealing with adversity, dealing with some situation, hostile environment. How do you overcome that and continue to push forward, not complain about it, not make excuses about it and still have success? Yeah, you're not playing Rocky Top on your radio, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now you go, you go clear across the country to the West Coast uh, yeah. to one of the most. Tell me if this is fair. I've been on their campus several times, you know, watching players, you know, scouting it when I was an NBA coach, uh, you know, at Cal Berkeley, and maybe as liberal a campus as there is in America, right? I mean, yeah. and, uh, you know, and I mean, and my man from East St. Louis is in the middle of that. I mean, like, what was, uh, and, and, you know, really trying to establish, a, a, you know, a, a basketball culture in a great league. Uh, and, man, you, you hit it, you know, hard with some unbelievable recruiting. How, how did you convince young people from all over the country to come there? Well, I, you know, the coach, I, I I thought it's, it's one of the best places I've ever been. And what yeah. I mean by just the Bay Area, the culture, the diversity, the environment, I think we, we, we could, we would be in a great situation if, if every state was somewhat like the Bay Area, mm. just the Bay Area in itself. I mean, every, every state, every city could be somewhat like the Bay Area, just the diversity, the culture, the people. I thought that was beautiful. And obviously Cal Berkeley is number one at the time, number one public institution in the world. So everything you have from an academic standpoint, so now, Coach, the thing I would say is once you get involved in that and experience that, and I think it helped me continue to grow as a coach because now I have a platform to coach at the number one public institution in the world, a great academic institution. And then I took a step back. We take so much pride in the sport and we, in my past and we minimize the impact of the academic piece. And here I am at one of the best in the world. Mm. And, and you wonder why a lot of student athletes, I mean, talented guys, don't go to Cal Berkeley. And I ask myself that question to this day, 
because it's a great place. It's a great institution. Because at the end of the day, we, if you say the percentage is 1% of guys be NBA players, yep. then why, why aren't many guys stockpiling, going to the Ivy League, going to sure. Berkeley, places like that? Because you have to be successful in life and, and your career is in the corporate world, then there's a great jump start. So I learned a tremendous amount with the professors, the administration, uh, the, the value of internships for the student athletes and what's really important. Because, you know, a lot of people talk about academics. I mean, athletics and academic piece. They were real about the academic piece, and I applaud them for it. They did a tremendous job with it. But from an athletic standpoint, they take pride in but they value a lot of things. They value all sports. So no one sport is bigger than the other, and I respect that. But they take a tremendous amount of pride in the academic piece. You know, Jalen Brown was an amazing talent that you were able to recruit out yeah. of Atlanta. You know, talk about him. Because he, he, he had the whole package, right? Academics and everything. Yeah. A really bright kid. Uh, you know, I know he's, he's an exceptional him. guy, Coach. He, he's, he's a rare breed from the standpoint of, uh, you know, 6'7", 230, fast, quick, athletic, uh, intelligent, uh, skills, uh, runs, jumps. And he's one of those guys, Coach, when it's all said and done, he, I mean, he, he'll be all-star here shortly, uh, and, and he'll do that for years. And I think he, he'll be one of those guys that in those political positions, whether he decides to do it or not, he'll run his own, build his own high school uh, you know, in the community doing that. I mean, right. he, he's one of those guys who will be at that level because he he's not just a guy that's talking about it. He takes a tremendous amount of pride in it. That's neat. I know you, that you enjoy that. Um, talk about – let's talk about Michael Porter, Jr., um, uh, so sad, you know, I got to see him play for a couple of days, uh, immense talent, you know, one of the best high school players in the country. Uh, you know, you were able to get he and his brother and dad's on the staff. Great, great man, senior. Uh, uh, you know, how, how sad, I know your, your compassion always is with the kids. How is he handling it? His injury. It was, it was tough early. It was, it was yeah. tough early for him because again, this is something you've been, doing for a long time this is a platform it's a stage you've been waiting for then all of a sudden you get the news that you'll be out so that part was tough now he's done a good job of dealing with it uh, uh so you, you don't, it doesn't show a lot of negative emotion so he's done a good job in dealing with it and now you you at a place where you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel whether or not he's coming back and it's, and it's almost over anyway to, to move forward whichever way it is so i think he has a, a, a more peace to him now because he's starting to do workouts on the floor, not necessarily with the team, but mm -hmm. with our strength coach and agility stuff like this. So now you can see in his eyes the excitement of if, if I can do this. That's and I, and I think he's excited now. Tell you what, he's a, he's a terrific cheerleader during your games. He's really into it. And that, <laughs> no, and I like that. You know, I mean, he, he's not one of those guys as, you know, beneath him by any means. He is so excited when your team is playing well, and I and I applaud him for that. You know, and uh, you know, and I I would have loved to have seen him in the in a in a good SEC because I think he uh, he's a difference maker. Obviously, you know, and and one guy like that can really gives you a go to guy to go to. You know, when you have a guy like him and Barnett under pressure cashes you know robertson making Man. shots you know don't get me excited coach. yeah me too i'm ready to coach again i'm ready to be your grad assistant now come on <laughs> but, but uh, except for the academics you know but uh you know what you know, one of the things now is you're putting your philosophy together your basketball philosophy together and you're you're a great learner and stuff how, how did you decide you know i'm gonna what am i gonna run for and and when you're at Cal and you're at Tennessee, are you changing everything based on your players, or is your system carved in stone, so to speak? You know, Coach, uh, I, I like to think defensively. Eighty-five percent of what we do defense, we'll do it every day, whatever, whatever day of the week it is. Now, right. 
Uh, now we, we've thrown a little zone in here uh, of, of different things that might tweak the ball screen depending on personnel. Sure. And also just because of the youth of our team, not necessarily age, but the experience of together. So, But I think moving forward, 100% of what we do defensively will be what we do. But offensively, I think I've grown and just, you know, being around the Golden State Warriors, Steve Curry, his son mm-hmm. was obviously a, a student for one year and a grad assistant the other year for us. So just being around the Warriors and Steve's a wonderful man, just watching how they play, how they move, how they play in spacing. Not necessarily, you know, in the NBA talk, obviously a lot of flow and I learned a lot of stuff from you that way too, but just not necessarily calling to play every time down. I've always been a guy, you know, call plays, try to get him in position. I think that's the growth for me as a coach. Allow guys to play, give them opportunities, give them space and give them structure. How do you defend? How do you, I mean, excuse me, how you set screens, how are they defending this action? You read it and it's, and it, it really comes when it came back to is, uh, I've, I've fought it for, I've, I've fought it since I've left Missouri State. I just got to the point this year, man, even the last, you know, about 10 games with, we're a motion team and, and I think, as long as I'm doing this, Coach, 80% of what we do will be motion offense. Now, we might have sets here and there after timeout situation, but I think I'm built to run motion, Coach, and I think that's who I am. Well, I think that's one of the most important things, uh, and, and you know, for all coaches that are listening, is you have to be yourself. And you have to be the best that you can be, you have to – we coach what we believe in most, right? And, yes, and, yeah, yes. And, and, and uh, you know, and I think, you know, if that is what you are most comfortable with, you do it. And because you're a learner and you're open to learning, then you can take things, tweak them in. I have coaches across the country that we work with where all of a sudden they'll run a set play and it goes into motion. You know, yes. you know, if the play doesn't work, and you know, so that's that's adapting and using the thirty-second clock, you know, to its best advantage. You know, we have those six extra seconds that the NBA uh, provides for you. So I think that that's a good thing. Well, yeah, the SEC has been a, a very, very unique and interesting league this year, and uh, all of a sudden, it looks like we could have several teams postseason tournament, and yours among them. But. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, watching how this season uh, progresses, my friend. And uh, I'm so proud of you and and, and your team and your staff, um, you know, of what they've done this year, Zoe. No, Coach, I appreciate it. And also, I thank you for spending time with us in the fall. It was great to see you. I see you all the time. It was great to have you here. I mean, I learned a lot from you. And it's, it's, it's fun, Coach. I'm excited. And obviously, you know you're more than welcome anytime. Well, thank you. And uh, listen, I, I wish the Tigers the best of luck and and uh, really appreciate you doing this for the coaches across the country today. Thanks, Coach. Take care. Blown away by it. Conzo Martin, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, he is a special guy. And, you know, and, and he is what, you know, every school should want when they hire a head coach in any sport, you know, a builder of men or women, someone that understands what the big picture is. It's not just about wins and losses. Hey, listen, coaching you live this summer, make sure you sign up, take advantage up to the final four of a neat discount, a hundred spots only for you to come. This is our 10th anniversary I've just booked two more speakers for us that we are going to, it's going to be the best we've ever had. So I'm so excited. Make sure you take advantage of this. Be one of the hundred people in there to really learn, celebrate, and enjoy the game and learn from the best there is. So uh, remember, every seat is a VIP this summer and July 9 and 10 in Las Vegas. And you get all the videos, pad folios, t-shirts, food, 
it'll be a great experience. So make sure you take advantage of that. Go to coachingulive.com to register. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah.